to another episode of Public Problems. Today, yet again, I'm with a few Bush School students. Um, these students took a course with me in the fall of 2018, and as the first half of the semester, they got to pick a public problem that interested them and prepare a formal report and have a conversation with me about it. Uh, this group has a very interesting topic and very relevant, um, so we're going to get to that shortly. But first, I'd like to pause and let the group members introduce themselves. Okay. Well, I am Jade Gonzalez. I'm Christina Morrison. Hi, I'm Lizzie Huey. I'm Raina Wellenbrink. Awesome. So let me start off by saying um, thanks again for your work on this. Uh, I think this is a really timely and important issue, and so I'm really interested to talk through it with you. And so maybe i already given you an answer, but why is it that your group chose uh, voter turnout and voter education, uh, well, as you title it, Voter education, increasing youth voter participation rates through education, signals to me that you think there are some challenges with uh, people voting. So tell me why you decided on this topic and kind of how you got here. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Bullock. Um, we actually chose this um, topic just because we were looking kind of at um, how civic engagement um, kind of has, I guess, transformed over the years. Um, and just kind of acknowledging that there has been a lot of lack of civic engagement. Um, and within civic engagement, um, I think we, we each kind of talked about just the challenges of voter turnout. Um, and so when we kind of defined like what civic engagement meant to a lot of us, it was really um, primarily um, voting and, and being um, voting for representation of needs. Um, and I think a lot of our classes, you know, we talk a lot um, particularly in nonprofits, just about, um, you know, so many groups in the United States are not being represented fairly. Um, and I think just the overwhelming data and research that we'll present um, throughout this conversation will kind of really back um, kind of our, our social problem and just kind of, yeah, I think we all got really passionate. I think as, as more and more data just kind of got presented, um, just how how crucial and how much of an issue this really is and how much it affects the United States at large. Yeah, I think this is pretty common. Uh, so I was talking to another group uh, not too long ago, earlier today actually, and one of the group members after the conversation pulled me aside and was like, I just couldn't believe the numbers once we started looking at it. It was They were looking at uh, private prisons and just couldn't believe the disparities and the, and the actual information when you went looking. So I'm glad that when you went researching, you weren't disappointed um, by the, uh, the challenge here. So what's the, what's the background? Is this not voting thing um, new? Has it changed over time? Did Americans used to vote more? Has there been tail off? Does it affect you focus on youth education? Is it more prevalent among uh, youth and younger individuals? Kind of give me a lay of the land of of historically, has this been a similar problem, and does it vary across groups? Yeah, so this has been a really prevalent problem in America since basically the founding of America. Even when we were trying to ratify and implement the Constitution, we saw that different states and different areas implemented it and voted for it at different times. People just historically don't care to vote in America, and it's really sad to say, but America ranks in the lower half of OECD countries on voting turnout simply because we don't have an incentive to go out and vote. And so we see different factors affect that. We see education, we see gender, we see 
socioeconomic status. We see uh, different variations of socioeconomic factors that affect voter turnout. And each and every one has a different effect on it. But one of the things that we kind of realized is that there's a very not easy fix, but it's a much more simple fix to address the age gap as opposed to some of the other factors that really are kind of difficult to deal with head on, especially in our position. So we kind of tried to focus on the age gap specifically. And what if you did look or if you know off the top of your head, when we say voting turnout is low in the U.S. and has been low, do we have any instance of, I mean, what is that amount and how does it compare to places with larger turnout? Or is that something you looked into? Yeah. So for instance, America has voter turnout that generally is less than 50% or sits right around the 50% mark. And then if you look at countries that are equally or even sometimes less developed than America, you see voter turnout that is in the high 80s, low 90s. And some of it can be attributed to compulsory voting systems. And some of it is just that countries really get out there and try and force their citizens to vote, or at least highly encourage them to do so because they realize it is part of their civic duty. And do you have any sense of, uh, we talked about the age gap, but do you have any sense of uh, who's most likely to vote and who's least likely to vote in the U.S.? Is that something that you looked into? Yeah, we did. And uh, typically, the oh, okay, well, the older you are mm -hmm. and the wider you are mm -hmm. and uh, the more uh, you know, economically well-off you are, the more likely to vote. Um, it's not to say those things necessarily cause better voting habits, but it is associated with better voting habits. So uh, we, did, we do see like older people definitely vote way more often, so uh, in pretty large margin. So in general, um, the wealthier, the older, and the wider you are um, uh, influences your turnout. Okay. And more educated. Yes. Okay. So th those are about, I mean, those are things that if you look into demographic stuff are pretty common, right. I yeah. think. Um, and did, did uh, in your research, did you learn or did it suggest why there is differences across these levels? I mean, do people yeah. say, uh, you know, it's time or do people say why they don't vote by groups or? Um, Typically, if let's just take education, education for example, or just age. If you're, if you went to college, you went, you got your postgrad, you got your doctorates, you know, whatever it may be. The I don't want to say quality, but maybe the type of people you surround yourself with, or the type of conversations that you have, are going to be very different. Um, you know, compared to someone who just went to high school or to community college, mm -hmm. you know, not to bash on community college. I went to one for but, sure. Yeah, yeah. But or, but your or, social groups are different. Def often. Definitely right. So if your parents went to college. Conversations at home are going to be very different, most mm -hmm. likely, um, than you know someone who didn't go to college or only got up to middle school or something like that. So that's what I mean by by saying that these um, being under this category doesn't necessarily cause, but the your environment will most likely definitely definitely uh, influence you and your habits, uh, people you hang hang around with, you know, talks that you have. Mm -hmm. So. Um, was a, so that was it. So a lot of it's right? just cultural, right? I mean, Definitely. a lot of it is do yes. do the people around you vote, and mm -hmm. if they vote, you're likely to vote. Exactly. Just kind of yeah. basic transmission of information that way, right? Yeah. And there's also a very clear um, instance of voter disenfranchisement that takes place within America. So um, post Shelby County v. Holder, which was in 2013, essentially that allowed states to make stricter voting ID laws, which means that different populations have less of an opportunity to vote because they can't get those IDs. 
And so, for instance, in Wisconsin, they saw um, a voter turnout decrease of 200,000 votes after that voter ID law went into effect, which is something that's really scary, but it's also something that's really prevalent and really affects voter turnout. So that's a great place to jump towards, I think. So education is one of the reasons, for example, why the problem exists. And part of that's access to information. Part of that's the cultural groups you end up around when you have more education. Another piece of this to, to build off what you were saying is voter uh, disenfranchisement or voter suppression in some ways. And that has um, that is played out through the changes in ID laws. But in general, this also, like the uh, other trends that we were talking about, uh, affects some groups more than others, right? Mm-hmm. So this is more likely to be groups that are less wealthy. It's more likely to be minority groups. Um, and so it sort of reinforces some of the differences across the groups, right? Okay, what else uh, is a reason why voter turnout remains low? Um, I would say it's super subjective. It can be very subjective. Um, it, come, it might stem from uh, disinterest in politics or just uh, being ill-informed in politics, not understanding, not wanting to understand, feel, feeling like um, it's unfair, and that could be due, again, to a lack of education on the topic. So I personally think it's hard to um, dictate exactly why people aren't voting because, like I said, it's super, it's very subjective. You, you can ask... You know, 10 people, you might get 10 different answers, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, It could be, I I don't like politics. It could be, I don't understand. It's not fair. It wasn't taught, you know. Mm -hmm. It could be, at least that's what... Yeah, so education, to your point, being ill-informed, maybe just disinterest, not understanding the importance of it. Uh, the, The groups that you're associated with either have historically been disenfranchised or don't have a history of voting. Um... And so all of those contribute. Are there any, is there anything else that you identified as part of this? I think we also talked a lot about just the challenges of just voting in itself, of just, um, you know, having to go register and then you have to, you know, go vote in your specific, um, what is it called? Polling location. Yeah, polling location. and, And just like, you know, a lot of times on voting days, it's, it's between like business hours, you know? And so yeah. it's like, you'd have to take time off work and you'd have to drive there. And it's, it's, it's not a, um, easy, I guess, um, it's, it's not easy to, to go out and vote. And so yeah. it's time consuming. Um, I think I was reading even recently that like, just even on the ballot alone, um, for this upcoming election in Houston, it was like just an ungodly amount of people that were on the ballot. Like, and, and just like, I'm, I'm one writer or one author was actually talking about just like, you know, having to probably spend like four hours just to get through all the people, you know, on the ballot of just trying to understand who they were, you know, what they, you know, so it caught, it, it's very time consuming. And also it just, the process itself is not easy <laughs> for people. Uh, trying, to answer, yeah. trying to answer the same question, just not registering, not mm-hmm. knowing that yeah. you have to register. Yeah. Um, if I can just quote our, our report here, it says 21% of eleg- elig- eligible citizens were not registered to vote. And the majority of those citizens, the reason they gave for not regis- registering were have never been asked to register. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a lack of awareness. And that's why we thought education would be the best way to address the problem. Because I, you know, I can't change your age. I can't mm-hmm. change your gender. I can't change where you grew up, your education level. I can't do that. But I could, you know, I can give you a little bit of a real world applicable 
applicable, excuse me, education in high school and college that you, know, you could find uh, worthwhile. So that's why we went uh, for education. Yeah. So before we jump down to or over to your uh, solutions, um, why are, are there stakeholders and who are the stakeholders here? And does anyone have interest in people not voting? Is that part of the reason? Absolutely. And do people... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so when we really kind of looked at who was really being affected by this lack of, um, you know, I guess, voter re- you know registration and then also voting, um, politicians ultimately are benefiting. And I think, you know, so much of the research that I um, kind of found just even on, like, politicians alone is that there is a real big incentive because, you know, who you're, who you're targeting – um, you know, to vote is a completely different audience um, than just the general public. Um, so, you know, a lot of politicians really target, you know, wealthy, white, older men um, because, A, number one, those are that's their constituency base. That's who they're um, ultimately, um, you know, I guess working on issues for. Um, so ultimately, I think politicians really – you know, they're, they're definitely a stakeholder in this of just that, you know, they're, they don't have to really meet the needs of really the, the overall voter. They're just almost catering their needs and their political messages to a a small subsect. Um, so yeah, there definitely is huge incentives for politicians, um, you know, or, or for voting to be so difficult or people not voting. It definitely incentivizes, um, politicians more, um, and also, too, you know, then I, there's a lot of corruption that happens. Um, you know, you see that throughout historically just with many politicians, um, you know, being funded, um, you know, illegally by, you know, specific interest groups um, and really pushing legislation through for just a, a small subject sets of people. Um, so, yeah, politicians is kind of our big uh, one of our big stakeholders in this of, of who doesn't or who really is. Um, they can go back and forth. I think, you know, I think politicians could have a vested interest in people voting at the same time. Well, vested interest in certain people voting mm-hmm. and not others. Sure. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we, I'm not sure, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we touched on the latter, not you know, having a vested, vested interest in people not voting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I think that's unfortunately understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, that's why I wanted to kind of bring it to the front is, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there are some core logical reasons. Um, and mm-hmm. then there are groups that have uh, stakeholders and uh, a stake in improving voting, mm-hmm. yeah. but there yes. clearly have to be some counterfactors, or it doesn't seem that hard to get everyone registered to yeah. vote exactly. um, and have large civic education programs mm-hmm. that would keep people informed. I mean, arguably, this is something you would hope people would get in high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so building off that, I know you have a couple of examples of current civic education programs, um, but I want to get on down to your actual solution. So tell me what uh, it's a it's a education policy, I believe. But tell me a little bit more uh, about what it is that you think we should do uh, while respecting everyone's freedom and privacy to uh, get more people engaged in the voting process and having their voice heard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we kind of proposed two two solutions, kind of kind of like what we talked about earlier, of like kind of what Jay was saying is like, you know, we we can't address you know all these other 
factors that influence voting. Um, and so when we kind of were you know, doing all this research and understanding historically why um, voting has been difficult um, and, and challenging or for people, you know, voting or not voting um, has been so prevalent, you know, we really focused on just like Jay said, just the education portion. Um, so within that, um, especially since our group that we specifically targeted um, ages 18 and 24, um, we just kind of talked about how, um, and in research we also um, found as well, how beneficial it is to start educating um, younger generations of students um, in, um, in th their duty to vote at, through a specific course. Um, so we looked at... Um, well, a couple different um, kind of course options, but um, really the one that we felt um, kind of was most beneficial was this like civic missions of school outline um, by the Carnegie Corporation. And they, they kind of like go through like six different um, kind of criteria. And this, this was kind of a study to, to kind of see, you know, how to really engage students in, um, in really getting involved. And so, and Ultimately, what we found in most of our research is that just educating students alone was not enough. Um, you really had to encourage and incentivize students to really be getting out in their communities and actually practicing civic engagement on all types of levels um, in order to, for them, for the research to really um, show that, that they were actually being involved and in, in going out and voting. So we saw kind of a strong correlation between um, educating but then educating um, along with um, getting students actually, you know, acting in, if you will, in the community. Um, so, so, yeah. The, oh. the, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, go for it. So the, so the basic idea is that just saying, here's how you vote isn't enough. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to uh, kind of engage them on following through yeah. and knowing how to, uh, and actually going and doing some engaged activities for it to yeah, really exactly. work. So practicing, you know, what you would do in the real world, right? Mm -hmm. I can't just tell you, this is how you do it, and uh, you should do it at this age, et cetera. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Just like any other training, you need to apply the information you're given, right? So we wanted to focus on sc maybe school governance and mock trials, just reinforcing democratic principles, because, like I just said, you can't just give someone information and expect them to do what's right. Um, it's put so, a broader kind of citizenship context. Exactly. It can't be a history class. It can't be yeah. a social studies class. It has to be a civics, you know, um, having your voice heard, basically. Yeah. Um, it can't be a test, you know, at the end of the year, like we saw, I think it was Louisiana. Because, Louisiana. you know, we saw that it had no effect. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think, I believe it was Florida who implemented classes and courses, and they saw, they're seeing some improvement. So, that, I think that was our best bet. Yeah. So, really, ultimately, we, we looked at implementing two, two classes. One of them would be focused in, in the high school, and then one of them would be focused at a higher level at college. Um, and so that, because we know that there's a percentage of, of people that will not go to college, we kind of were targeting you know, students. That's why we just wanted to start, we wanted to target students in high school. Um, and I think, Christina, you can probably touch yeah. more on just the, what the class included and yeah. includes. And So like in the high school class, for instance, it's going to be a lot more like Jay said, a lot of mock elections, a lot of um, practicing, that kind of thing. But we recognize that not every student that takes this class is going to be 18 years old and able to register to vote right at that moment. And so 
it was a lot of preparing you for going into the real world. And then in college, we kind of took a shift and looked at a more practical applications class. And so not only are you looking at voting, but also the college class would include some sort of civic engagement project out in the community. So for instance, if the class was offered at A&M, we might ask students at A&M to go ahead and work with the DA's office or work with law enforcement or work with some aspect of public administration and see what they're doing in their field and then kind of almost keep those public administrators in check. And so they would write reports, they would do projects on it, they would do service projects, um, all different things to kind of get them civically engaged in a way that's more unique than just voting. Because while we talked about voting turnout, what we realized is that if we engage them in projects and in volunteering and service, then they're more likely to go out and vote and have their voices heard to begin with. So I want to talk briefly about it about the difference between getting people to register and then getting people to turn out. So part of what uh, your group is is talking about is the challenge to get people to the polls to vote. Part of it was yeah. voter registration. Do, do you get the sense from your research that uh, even though all people who register don't turn out, does just getting people to register and getting over that kind of initial piece of information you have to do it, you know, so far out. Is there, did you come across evidence that suggested that that in and of itself is helpful, just getting people registered or do you, is it really not useful at all unless you're helping them get to the polls the day of or during early voting or something? So I think there's two populations that are affected. There's the disenfranchised population that as much as they register to vote, it's really hard for them to get to the polls. And the classic example of that is when former President Obama bused people to polls, we saw a huge spike in voter turnout because he helped them get over that hump. So as I understand it, um, this can affect uh, groups differently. And so there's this question of um, does voter registration actually help lead to more turnout uh, in and of itself. And so we were talking a little bit about that before we were interrupted. So let's pick back up there. We we're talking about it affecting these groups differently. Yeah. So like I said before, there's the first population of um, citizens that really have a hard time getting to the polls. And those are considered to be the disenfranchised populations. And then there's the second sort of population that we have. And those are the people that if they register to vote, they will turn out, but they just really don't have any incentive to register. They don't think it matters. They're ill-informed. They have lower education levels, whatever that factor might be. In our case, it might be lower age. And so um, one of the things that we kind of talked about is if we get out there and we educate that specific population, we can have a really huge effect on voter turnout because they, if they register, they will turn out. So tell me a little bit more about the components of your actual solution. So we talked about high school curriculum, and we talked a little bit about uh, college curriculum. Um, what is um, another thing you talk about in your report is this civics renewal network. And so I don't think we got a chance to talk about that. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, Civics Renewal Network, something I stumbled on. It was kind of like a, a gold mine. Um, it really was because it's... Sometimes it's better to be lucky. No, 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 <laughs> I was going to say better to be lucky than good, but I wouldn't accuse you of such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> but no, but um, it, it definitely was because, um, you know, I was searching for resources. That's what I was doing. And 
I came across this website, and it's just a conglomerate of organizations. It's the U.S. Senate, the APA, the Bar, you know, Bar, I'm not sure what the... Um, the Bar Association? Yes, sorry. The Bar Association, and U.S. Courts, tons of others. And what they've basically done is gotten tons of information on civics, government, you know, anything you could think of that has to do with government. And they've made this huge database filled with lessons, courses, background, how to teach it, how to implement it in, court, in, in a you know, high school course. It, it uh, categorizes it from, you know, I think, K through 12 or something like that. So all kinds of levels. And something like this that I found online is just the beginning, I would mm -hmm. say. You know, this is completely free for teachers and professors to use. So, I mean, if it's free, imagine what, what could be done... Um, with a proper curriculum that's formulated and you know, passed through the Department of Education, you know, and, and other entities. Um, so I included that because I thought if I can find something this good, we can definitely make something even better. Yeah, I think one of the sad truths about this is that it's not from lack of information mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. It's really more about the challenges of getting it to the people who need it because mm -hmm. you're already easily navigating those resources and already looking for them, then you're already likely to probably be voting and be engaged in the process. And so this is a real, um, it's a real challenge, I think. Um, okay. What one other, uh, thing about voter disenfranchisement that I'm interested about to see if you covered uh, in the last few years, something that's been debated in the political arena is uh, disenfranchisement of felons. And so is this something that y'all encountered? I mean, your group is more uh, looking at people who can vote and aren't. Uh, but did you look at how large this population is or how large of a population is of people who just aren't allowed to vote? We frankly did not. Yeah. We, we did not touch on that. I think we, we kind of, kind of going off of what Christina kind of said earlier, I think because we realized that we couldn't kind of get people to the polls and, and we knew that we couldn't really make that great, great of a change or an effect on that populace of people, which is really unfortunate because we were looking at it such a, at such a micro uh, level or macro level. I think, you know, ultimately kind of going off of, we, we only tried to target the group that we could kind of affect. And I think mm -hmm. that that was really, I think our approach when we were, were initially like, you know, um, kind of, you know, compiling research and kind of, you know, going through everything, kind of making our solution. So mm -hmm. that was kind of the unfortunate part of this is that as where we would love to be able to address both groups, I think just the unfortunate reality, reality yeah, mm -hmm. is that we can't, you know, and especially with the resources, the limited amount of resources we kind of already have. And I think that that was something, um, as, but we did, I think we did, obviously we, um, we did see that that was quite a big population. I think we just didn't really fully know how we could address it. And I think, too, it kind of came across my desk when I was looking at general disenfranchisement. And one of the things that I really found, not to call out a party, but certain parties are going to receive votes from certain populations. Mm -hmm. And so sure. typically felons' rights come more from Democratic candidates than they do from Republicans. And so Democrats have a real incentive to get felons to cast their ballot and mm. Republicans really don't have that incentive and that's true in the opposite instance for a lot of other populations mm -hmm. and so 
while we don't have the exact statistics, we know that it's a real problem. Excellent. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on from your report that you would like to highlight for us? Yeah. So we kind of, um, along with this class, um, we we felt that it would be best um, if the well, part of our solution was tied to the Department of Education. So the Department of Education would be the one that would be um, kind of holding schools um, accountable for implementing a class in their curriculum in high school and then also in colleges. Um, and kind of like Jay said, like, you know, really kind of, um, you know, everything we saw with the Civic uh, Renewal Network um, and be being able to tweak it in a way that um, would even be more effective, kind of mm -hmm. like what we spoke about earlier, um, you know, really... Um, incentivizing teachers to really partner with other public administrators in the community um, to get their students more involved um, and understanding a lot of the issues that are, are that are in the community and that actually affect them that they actually maybe don't even or they're not even aware of. Um, so that was kind of our big um, kind of accountability, if you will, um, of holding these other schools accountable. Um, and we were we planned on doing that, and this is kind of where it gets kind of all scattered just a little bit. But um, we, um, I'll start first with the Help America Vote Act, and that was something that was established in um, 2015. And that that act actually uh, under that provision, it allowed um, uh, the election, um, the U.S. election, um, to well, it gave them an allocated a very large amount of resources um, and, and really ultimately that election um, committee was able to reallocate those resources to every state and so what we were proposing is um, and, th and this is something that we didn't actually get to talk about but um, we looked uh, at Texas um, and Texas is one of the worst states in voter turnout and something that they had implemented um, that was kind of that has failed massively is that they had implemented this law um, where uh, principals would have to um, uh, get voter registration cards from the Secretary of State and then in turn have to, they were required to go out and um, uh, educate students, get them to vote, and then turn those cards back in. And that was their attempt to try and um, get more people to vote. And that failed because they, um, there was no, um, nobody was holding them accountable. Um, so really, uh, most schools weren't even doing that. Principals were not involved in doing that. And so what one of our proposed solutions um, going off of that failure of Texas uh, as a model would be that um, using this HAVA Act that I spoke about earlier, um, every state has to submit um, kind of a proposal letter to this um, to the election um, commission, and they would basically have to, and they, they in that kind of report, states how much they want, um, you know, how, how many dollars that they want in order to um, increase voter turnout. Also, it was tied to election security, mm -hmm. and it, it was tied to all these other things. But something that we really proposed was that in order for states to um, be able to apply for those grants and those funds um, through that agency, um, they would have to um, submit all of the um, voter registration information from these schools through the Secretary of State and the Secretary of State then would compile that information and have to submit it along with their proposal to be able to receive those funds. So it was a way for, again, accountability to these states um, that 
um, you know, that, that the information um, was getting to the actual election committee. And that was something that they would then decide of how, the, how those funds would be distributed based mm -hmm. partially on those figures um, mm -hmm. for voter registration through the states. So I know that that's kind of like a lot of different layers <laughs> sure, of accountability. Yeah. Um, but we really wanted to make sure that um, that these programs were being held um, accountable. And and as a, like I said, you know, Texas was one of the states that it didn't. Um, and really, like I said, because it was not being um, held accountable. Mm -hmm. There was no compliance from the uh, Secretary of State. So this is just a way of incentivizing that, you know, that, that yeah. accountability and compliance. Yeah. So. Some incentives, some yes. accountability measures, uh, which one things we go over a lot in class, Absolutely. right? You can't just issue things without having some enforcement mechanism or yeah. some accountability for yeah. them. And for the most part, people do it because they love money. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> one of the takeaways also. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're American. Yeah. 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 So. Unfortunate. <laughs> there are parts of the influence of, uh, of money have come up in some of these conversations this semester and in class, and sometimes the influence is productive and other times maybe less productive. <laughs> Anything else? Well, I think this is um, this is a really important issue you've picked. Um, I think voting in general is uh, is a big issue. We're also having issues with voter security Absolutely. and some uh, other issues that are uh, kind of working their way out as we digitize our elections and then as our election systems have been under attack um, through hacking and other ways. Um, so I think this issue of voting is really important, but I like how you focused on the turnout piece and getting people to actually vote because the real one of the real sad truths about America is we like to yell about things, but often all of us don't vote, yeah, and exactly. so that is the way in which we can be heard. Mm -hmm. Can I uh, can I make sure, a uh, statement here? Um, just like you said, you know, people like to complain, but they don't do anything about it, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what year it was. I think it was 20. 12 or 2016, Texas had around 16 million eligible voters, or actually registered voters, and we only had under 8 million turnout. So that's under 50% mm -hmm. of registered voters, I believe. It was that or eligible voters, regardless. Mm -hmm. how, can you, how can you complain? You yeah. Know, because who knows? I mean, I'm not saying it would make a difference in the turnout because we know Texas is conservative, but who's to say? The other, I don't know, 54%, 52% wouldn't change that vote, wouldn't change the winner, you know. And Texas is huge, it's a lot of electoral votes. So, I mean, what is that? Is that ignorance? Is that lack of education? Who knows, but... It's a little bit of all of it. I mean, yeah. I think to your point earlier, all these factors play contributing yeah. roles. I yep. mean, some of it is all the way on the end of entitlement, like I don't need to vote because things are fine in my country, which yeah. is... I think afflicts a lot of younger folks, right? It's just not something we kind of, we take some of these things for granted. And then there's other issues where either people aren't allowed to vote or the barriers to voting are very real in their lives and make it quite a challenge. Uh, and then there's all these cultural factors for the, that span across different types of communities for an array of reasons, mm -hmm. um, historical reasons and current reasons. So, uh, well, thank you. Thanks for your work on this. This is quite interesting and, um, I look forward to going through your report in some more detail and uh, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> and uh, thanks for the conversation today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.